3: You're listening to the
2: Vox Media Podcast Network. Live from MMA Fighting Studios, this is Between the Links. And now, your host, Mike Heck.
3: Yes, it is great to hear the iconic voice of Esther Lin once again as we welcome you to a special live edition of Between the Links, I am excited to be back in video form this week following the UFC 266 press conference. We have a lot to discuss ahead of Saturday's card in Las Vegas. We have quite the matchup for you this week. So let's introduce the combatants first. It's a big show, so you wanted to bring in a heavy hitter. So we're bringing in one of the top 15 ranked fighters in one of the UFC's best and deepest divisions. So we have Cody Stamen joining us this week. As the challenger. Cody, thank you for doing this, man. How are you?
4: <laughs> I'm good. The challenger. Uh, am I going to be challenged on this uh, show?
3: Oh, I, but we'll see. I mean, according to the champion, you will be challenged like never before. And that man is back once again to defend his crown. He is on some role right now. He is Mr. No Gray Area himself. And he is excited to deliver his fiery hot takes about UFC 266 and beyond. And that's probably an understatement. From MMAfighting.com, once again, the champ, Jed Mishu. Hello, Jed.
5: I love this nickname that you've given me, Mr. No Gray Area. I think it's fantastic. I don't like the opponent you've given me. I've been asking for Colby Covington, and I get Cody Staman. I get it. They're both accomplished wrestlers who are really good at fighting. It's not the same, Mike. I, I'm here to destroy one man, and now i got to put this other dude in the box so I can make my way <laughs> to the guy I'm trying to get after.
3: Oh, I think I misheard you. I, th- I thought you sure. said Cody Stamen. So I, 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 I was, I I didn't. Oh, man, I got to do so, that. Okay, we'll
5: do a speed bump on my journey just straight to the moon. Like straight to the moon.
3: Well, I'm glad Cody is here. Cody is uh, one of my favorites to interview and, and chat with. So this is going to be a little more relaxed setting for, for Cody Stamen uh, on this side. But let's get right into this thing. Let's begin with the biggest story of the week. And the biggest story of UFC 266. For better or for worse, it is the return of one Nick Diaz. He is scheduled to face Robbie Lawler in a five-round, non-title rematch in a featured spot on Saturday's card. And things have been interesting this week. First, we found out the fight is being moved from a welterweight bout to a middleweight bout. This is on the Diaz side from all accounts. He no-shows the media day, which isn't all that surprising. Then he does this interview with Brett Okamoto, which had a lot of people talking talking about one of the reasons about the move to 185 so he doesn't fight the same guys as his brother nate fights at 170 then he said he could beat kamara usman right now that he has a better shot of beating usman than lawler because he already beat lawler but that was 17 years ago and diaz himself hasn't fought in over six years it's just, it's just classic nick diaz fight week stuff but that interview was just classic diaz and this has been a classic nick diaz just whole show throughout this build to this fight it just is what it is so Cody, I'm going to begin with you. This return, this fight, what Nick Diaz has been saying, the things that have happened this week, what are your thoughts on all this? Are you excited? Are, are, are you concerned? Where, where are you at with
4: this? I mean, I'm concerned for Nick Diaz's health mentally uh, just because the things he's saying don't make any sense whatsoever. Uh, I mean, he's literally kind of himself in the same sentence. Uh, he, he talked about how scared he is and how much he doesn't enjoy any part of this that was like the only honest thing I think that came out of his mouth I don't think that he enjoys fighting otherwise he probably would have been around at one point or another in the last six years and you know for me Nick Diaz I just don't think that he's the type of athlete that can come back after a six year layoff Uh, is he entertaining do I want to watch him fight of course like I'm I'm a Diaz fan it's hard not to be uh, but do I think that he's going to, you know, bring a level to uh, MMA that, that of Nick Diaz that we haven't seen before? Absolutely not. I think that we're going to see a, a, a washed-down version of what he used to be. I don't think that he even took any of the shit seriously. I'm just telling by him not modding to cut weight, you know, going up 15 pounds. That's because he's not prepared. I mean – I mean, I looked at him and it didn't look like he was in shape, didn't look like he was ready to fight. It looked like he was barely training. I mean, the, the, the guys do triathlete triathlons, but that's not a fight. Like, that's, you know, that's a multiple hour thing. Like, fighting is a lot harder than I think a triathlon would be.
3: Jed, you have been... Very consistent about your thoughts in regards to this Diaz return. We're a little over 48 hours from when he's scheduled to make the walk. I'd ask you your thoughts about his fight week in general and everything else that was put on the table, but I feel like your response to that will probably go hand in hand with everything you've been saying. So I will phrase it this way. Nick Diaz, no shows the media day, everything that's happened. He did show up at the press conference. He had a bit of a positive attitude, but do you feel any differently about this Nick Diaz return on this Thursday night than you did a few weeks, a few months, a few years ago?
5: No. First, I'd like to congratulate Cody because oftentimes we get fighters on the show and they won't just come out with throwing throwing darts. And he didn't pull any punches, so I respect that. You've already earned my respect, Cody. I'm still going to box you up, so don't worry about it. Uh, but yeah, no, I'm not changing my mind at all. Uh, I've said it several times in this program. I won't believe Nick Diaz is fighting again until three days after the event. When I wake up on Tuesday morning and I can go check MMAfighting.com where you can get all your UFC 266 (laughs) coverage, and I see, oh, Nick Diaz lost to Robbie Lawler by fourth round TKO because of a cut, then I'll be like, oh, wow, he actually fought again. I can't believe it. This dude is the premier seller of wolf tickets in the sport, which is ironic given that he coined the term in general. and. I, I'm going to be honest. I felt great all week because, boy, howdy, was I going to let everybody know if Diaz botched this up with the weight cut shenanigans and was like, yeah, you know what? If we can't do it at 185, I'm not going to fight. Uh, I would have felt so fantastic. You would have never gotten me to shut up on this program because I've been saying it for months. I don't think this fight's going to happen. Uh, At this point, I don't want it to happen. Uh, I echo a lot of the sentiments, (laughs) Cody just said, because I I was a little intrigued if I was if I was buying into the bit, I would be intrigued to see Nick Diaz come back because he is a captivating personality. And I actually think the Robbie Lawler fight should make sense on paper. But everything that's happened this week, I'm still standing firm on the he's not fighting as something's going to interrupt in the next 48 hours, Uh, be that by hook or by crook. I just don't think it's going down but i don't and i don't want it to go down anymore i i don't feel like nick's heart is in this i don't feel like his heart was ever in it because he said many times he did not love fighting and i'm not sure what his motivations are to come back at this point but everything that i've seen from him this week does not make me and like look forward to the fight that won't happen with anticipation
3: Jed, as people know, you're not a guy who likes to deal with with hypotheticals all that often, especially when it comes to Nick, to Nick Diaz. You're Mr. No Gray Area, after all. But let's get you out of the comfort zone a little bit. Let's let's stay positive. All right. Let's just say this fight goes forward. Let's just say Tuesday you wake up, you go to MMAfighting.com, you read the recap of this fight. Both guys made the walk. Bruce Buffer does the intros. Referee gets them going, and they fight. And you read it Tuesday. What are you expecting the headline to read? What are you expecting the recap to look like? like? How does this fight play out in your eyes should it happen on Saturday? Which in this situation, it's going to because we're positive right now.
5: In this very unlikely hypothetical, I, I, I originally felt that Nick was actually well-positioned against Robbie if I was playing the the possibilities game because I, Robbie's really old now. Um, he's one of my favorite fighters ever. I have nothing but love for Robbie Lawler and what he accomplished. But frankly, he won the welterweight title when he was already on a bit of a decline. Like his fights were extremely tactical the way he would set – kind of measure his energy output he would explode at the beginning and ends of rounds and make sure he was care he could fight all the way through five we saw that against Condit we saw that against Hendrix like that's how he won the Hendrix rematch was basically taking the middle of every round off and exploding in the last minute because that left a big impactful mark in the judge's eyes and I, I don't feel like that would work against certainly not a prime Nick Diaz. It would be awful. And I even think if you could get 50% of Nick Diaz, his, uh, his forward pressure, his relentless onslaught of quote-unquote pitter-pat punches, like, I think that's really lined up well against sort of where Robbie Lawler is, even if Nick Diaz is half the fighter he once was. But I don't even know if that's true anymore. Like, I don't know if Nick's even coming in as half the fighter he he once was. So I got to think that Lawler is, I mean, Lawler has been fighting. and know he's had some time off and he's had a few more losses than he would have preferred lately, but he's still one of the smartest fighters that you'll ever see. He has a wide depth of knowledge about how how to fight and how to win rounds when necessary. And I think he's... Everything from Nick totally dissuaded me from feeling good about picking him uh, this week. If I were to pick him, because again, this the fight's not happening.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Cody, what, what do you, <laughs> you expect <laughs> to be? What do you expect, Cody? I mean, Diaz Lawler, seventeen years later. I mean, I, I've I've watched that first fight a million times at this point. To see these guys on a like on a poster getting ready and seeing these guys at a press conference talking about fighting each other. Like it's kind of surreal to see, but they're going to run it back on Saturday for potentially 25 minutes. Like what kind of fight are you expecting to see, especially with the concern that you seem to be feeling towards the Diaz camp?
4: I mean, honestly, when, oh, man, this just so hard because these guys are, uh, I mean, in their day, they were great. And uh, you know, th- this is, maybe you know when i'm coming my career is coming to an end someone's going to say it's about me but honestly i'm probably going to go take a shit while they're fighting because like i don't see anything exciting happening in this fight i really don't think either one of them are going to bring uh, like a hostile game to the table i think it's going to be very calculated they're going to try to do absolutely nothing if you watch nick's last fight i mean the guy did absolutely nothing Robbie hasn't had the same output. I think this is going to be one of those fights where there's literally 10 10 punches landed combined in every round. And uh, everyone's just kind of like, what the hell is going on, honestly. Uh, Either that or they try to get it over within the first minute of the the fight, which I highly doubt uh, happens. But, I mean... Like, in a perfect world, that's what I'd want to see is, like, these guys just try to close the deal in the first two minutes. But I don't think that's what we're going to see. I think we're going to see a 25 minutes news fest that um, isn't going to be a fan-favorite fight. You know, this isn't a fight that I'm necessarily looking forward to on this card.
5: Can we talk very briefly? Cody, how long are your shits? This is 25 minutes, man. What's up with your diet? <laughs> gonna I'm going to take long. my
4: time, man. I'm going to take my time. <laughs> like, i have just looking at Instagram. We're dying, bro. <laughs>
5: We're friends. 30 minutes. We get the minute in between rounds, too. I mean, that's. Woo! Yeah. You're doing battle in there. It you know wasn't doing.
4: Yeah. I might take a bath. Right. now. He's just.
3: <laughs> well, we shall see what happens in this fight. Cody will not see what happens in this fight because he'll be spending some time in the bathroom. But uh, Jed doesn't think it'll happen. We'll see. But uh, let's talk about the two title fights. But before we do, the point for round one goes to... I think we have a, a new Mr. No Gray area. Cody Stamen, just being honest and throwing the, throwing the heaters is on the board. Came to wow. play. He came to play. Brian Kelleher, take notes, dude. Take some notes <laughs> yeah. from Cody Stamen, your fellow 135 er so.
0: We're this close to crowning an NBA champ. And with the action heating up on the court, it's even hotter at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get a no-sweat bet. Up to
1: $1,500 if your first bet doesn't hit. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours
3: Diaz Lawler 2, should it happen, Jed Mishu. We have two world title fights to look forward to on Saturday night in Las Vegas. We have the women's flyweight title on the line. Valentina Shevchenko defends against Lauren Murphy. We'll talk about that in a moment. But the main event is for the featherweight title. Alexander Volkanovsky defends against Brian Ortega. A really interesting matchup. One, quite frankly, this is one of the more completely under-the-radar, underappreciated fights of the entire year on paper because... It's buried. It's lost to the Diaz storyline. But Jed, we're going to start with you. We got Volkanovski versus Ortega. This fight has dealt with COVID-19, a season of the Ultimate Fighter, some sort of trash talk between the two guys, and we're finally here. So what sticks out to you about this fight between Volkanovski, the champion, versus Ortega, the challenger, and not to mention Ortega being one of your favorite fighters on the roster right now?
5: Well, what sticks out to me primarily is that Alexander Volkanovski might actually just be the best fighter in the world right now. Um, I know he's at the top or like in that top five pound for pound rankings, but really it's totally possible that he actually deserves the number one spot right now. Um, He is extremely good uh, by any definition and Brian Ortega sucks. So this should be pretty clear on who's going to win because one fighter is great and one fighter sucks. (laughs) Um, I have made my opinions about Brian Ortega extremely clear on this program and others. He is really good at winning fights and he is really bad at winning moments of fights. So in every fight other than the last one, he, he beat the Korean zombie from pillar to post. And that was a huge uptick for him because every other fight he's ever had, he was getting the boots put to him and then he just finished it. And that's not a knock per se on Ortega, because that is a legitimate skill. Like, Yoel Romero is honestly much the same way. And Romero is one of my favorite fighters. You know this, best middleweight in the world. But Ortega, I don't know. I don't like him as much as Yoel. Maybe it's because he's not uh, an alien from another planet that's meant to make us all feel bad about how we look. But, yeah, uh, that's my, my overriding thought there is that, however, because I'm so mean to Brian Ortega so often... I will say I think that this is the most interesting test for Volkanovski, and vice versa. Um, I, I think Volkanovski beat the hell out of him, honestly. But I think Volkanovski's greatest strength is his fight IQ is through the roof. Like if you, however you scored the rematch with Max Holloway, the reality is. Holloway did a great job of adjusting from fight one to fight two, but Volkanovski adjusted in the middle of that fight, which is something you rarely see in general. And you certainly don't see somebody damn good like Max Holloway is. And Volkanovski realized like, oh, I'm, I'm losing because he's made these adjustments. Here's how I need to now approach the fight in real time. And I, I've i written about Volkanovski a lot. I always compare him to the house. Like in Vegas, he is the casino. And if you play the game long enough with him, just you're just going to lose. The numbers are on his side. He adjusts so well. He has such a depth of skill and ability, and his, his IQ is just through the roof. So the way you beat him is not going to be – like Max Holloway, maybe, maybe he won the last fight, maybe he didn't. If they fight 100 times, I just don't think Max can beat him more than a handful. Ortega is the kind of guy who can beat it because the way you beat the house is you go all in on one – you know, one really big hand to blackjack or whatever. And Ortega doesn't win rounds for shit, uh, but he wins fights. And so maybe Ortega can magic his way into uh, a guillotine or force a grappling scramble and get something locked up there or flying near him. But outside of that, I don't see it. And I frankly don't see anybody in the division who can beat this man other than Ortega doing something really wild. So it's really compelling in that regard. But again, Ortega sucks. Volk, Volk is great. Uh, Volk, by decision.
3: Cody, your thoughts on this title fight and why it isn't being talked about more. Because in my opinion, kind of like Jed said, I think Volkanovski is extremely underrated as a champion. I felt that he's been underrated his entire UFC career. But Ortega, it, it, one thing about Volkanovski that has struck me this week, and even throughout the build of the fight, he's Volkanovski has prided himself on Doing things the right way, the martial arts way, not trash talking, just being nice, being respectful. Hasn't really been that way in this fight. He's taken shots at Ortega at every chance he gets interviews, appearances, on tough. It's just unvolkanovsky like in the build of this fight. And Ortega, not really buying into it, seems to be supremely confident heading in. He's got that look in his eye. I love this fight. What say you? Like what sticks out to you about it, Cody?
4: Well, I think Volk is just realizing that he's got to start playing the game. I think that's a point that we all come to. We're like, hey, you know, at some point, we got to start being assholes. We have to trash talk. Like, this is how you get attention in this sport. This is how people give a shit about what you're going to do on Saturday night. Uh, But I have to 100% agree with Jed. I mean, I think Volkanovski is better in every single way. I think uh, Ortega is one of those guys that literally always has a a puncher's chance. Um, But – I mean, based on the fights, you know, with the common denominator, that is Max Holloway. um, I mean, Max Holloway absolutely beat the shit out of Brian Ortega. Brian Ortega didn't stand a chance in that fight. It's one of the most lopsided fights I've seen in a long time at that high of a level. Uh, And, you know, the fight with Volkanovski was very competitive. Uh, Volkanovski, like Jed said, he he, he made in-fight adjustments. And that is, like, literally one of the hardest things to do as an athlete, to be able to understand that things aren't going your way, and be able to f- formulate a plan while you, someone's trying to h- hurt you, uh, and and make adjustments like that. I mean, Volkanovski is going to be a really really tough guy to beat, especially in a five round fight. You know, I think the longer a fight goes on, the worse it is for your for whoever he's fighting because he, he just starts to figure you out and he starts to chip away at you, and it's nothing big. He doesn't do he doesn't do things. Uh, he's not taking big risks in fights. He's very, everything's very, very calculated. Uh, he, he's always in good position. His stance is always perfect. Uh, he's going to be a really hard guy to land a big shot on or uh, jump a guillotine on because he doesn't really make those mistakes in fights. I mean, that's why he has such a clean record, and that's why he is where he is. Um, and, you know, 45 is an absolute stacked division. I mean, these are two, of the, you know, I think, honestly, for me, I think they're two of the pump for pound, best guys in the world. I think you know the guys in the lighter weights are a lot more skilled than the guys in the heavier weights. I just think there's way more depth if you look at like you know 35, 45, 55. I think those are the you know the core of, of the fighting weight classes. That's where you're going to get the most talented athletes, the most skilled athletes, uh, the most evolved athletes. And I think you know we're going to see two of the, the best guys do it. But Volkanovski, I just don't see how anyone beats him. You know what I mean? You you can't take him down. Uh, if he takes you down, his his pressure is perfect. If he gets in trouble, he just backs out. The guy is a he's he's a whiz in the cage. He knows exactly how to win. He reminds me of almost like a little like knows exactly what he has to do to win rounds, to win a fight, uh, and everything is very very calculated. Like, and and I'm not saying he's not a powerful guy. Like he can't put you out, but uh, he's 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 not even trying to hit guys hard. He's trying to score points and run up, run up the, run up the numbers. And you know, once he figures you out and starts getting ahead, like nobody can catch him.
5: Mike, you want to know a fun stat?
4: I would love it.
3: So, I would love to know a fun stat.
5: So Holloway versus Ortega, Holloway landed two hundred and ninety strikes against Ortega in four rounds. In the ten rounds he has fought uh, Alexander Volkanovski, he landed two hundred and thirty-six. <laughs> He fought Volkowski for 10 rounds and landed less than he did when he tuned up Ortega.
3: <laughs> Just uh, fascinating numbers right there. And I think Holloway's probably waiting in the wings for either of these guys. If Ortega wins, it's a no-brainer. I know Volkanovski, you know – I beat the guy twice, but I I just think that's the biggest fight he can have right now is running it back a third time with Holloway. So if I'm Holloway, I know there's rumors he's fighting Yair. From all accounts, that fight is not done. It's not even close to being done. And if I'm Max Holloway, I ain't signing to fight anybody right now until we find out what happens in that fight. So that's the main event. Co-main event, we have Valentina Shevchenko defending her flyweight title against Lauren Murphy. Right now, according to DK Nation, Shevchenko is a minus 1,500 favorite. Some sites have her as high as a minus 2,000 favorite. Comeback on Lauren Murphy is plus 850. But here's, here's, here's something that I thought was kind of interesting. The odds makers and bettors may not believe in Lauren Murphy to pull off an upset and win the title, but they seem to believe in Murphy's durability and toughness because the odds that this fight goes the distance is plus 175, which with this line, a lot of people feel like that line should be much higher than it is. But be that as it may, let me ask this, Cody. Can Lauren Murphy go in there with this career resurgence and pull off one of, if not the biggest upsets in UFC history on Saturday?
4: I think anything's possible. Uh, Would I put my hard-earned money on the table? Uh, Absolutely no way. I mean, I think the odds makers have it right. I think this is a pretty lopsided fight. I think they're pretty desperate to get people for uh, that flyweight title I just uh, that's just not a deep that's probably the shallowest division in all of MMA at this point um, I mean you have one girl that's literally staying at the top of the mountain and she's just kicking everyone that comes anywhere near it off uh, with relative ease um, I would like to see someone come up and, and, and be a real challenge uh, but I don't really see that happening this weekend
3: jed the uh the the chevy truck the chevy truck that's what that's what you call it, right you, you've been uh, the driver of said truck for for a long time now and who knows there may come a day where a flyweight comes along and and stops that truck a lot of people believe that will never happen but can it happen on saturday jed are you giving lauren murphy any chance to win this fight
5: no i, I don't believe in miracles. Um... I have been driving the Chevy truck since day one. I am the conductor of the bullet train and that line is, is too low. Like she, she could be a minus 10,000 favorite. And I don't mean this as disrespect to Laura Murphy at all because Laura Murphy is a really good fighter. Laura Murphy deserves this title fight. Like she has done everything right. She has put together the win. She stacked up five in a row. I think Uh, like she, she is a very deserving challenger and there is nothing wrong with her getting her day in the office. Like she gets her chance, and that is what this sport is supposed to be about. But there are levels, and Valentina Shevchenko is on another planet from everybody else in her division and even near her division. For my money, she's the best fighter in the world. If you're just looking at comparison to their peers, um, and I, I, I. You can't explain to me how outside of a freak injury, Lauren Murphy can win the fight. She is not nearly as good a striker. She is not nearly as good a grappler. She is not nearly as good a wrestler. She is not physically in, like, in the same stratosphere. There's just no area where she can go or implement a game plan that's going to work as far as I can tell. Like I, I think Shevchenko is again I have a lot of respect for Laura Murphy I think she's a top five fighter in her division I think Shevchenko is just so much better it doesn't matter and to Cody's point I mean we want to see challenges we all thought Jessica Andrade was going to be a challenge like everybody thought and the line was way closer I think I think Shevchenko was only like a minus 250 favorite or something like that everybody thought Andrade could maybe do something she you know competed at Bantamweight and was physically impressive there and Shevchenko just ran through her. Like, she is so much better at everything, and I think the best Laura Murphy can hope for is to make it to a decision, but I don't I don't even think that's likely. Like, if, if she really wants to shell up and play all defense, maybe, but as, as tough and hard-nosed as Laura Murphy is, I think at any point in time, Shevchenko can just take her down and get to top crucifix and beat the hell out of her. Like, it's, it's – there's just no way around this one, as far as I'm concerned. So, yeah, um, it's not a fight that you're going to be enthused about, but this is a great fight for Shevchenko's legacy, and I will always sign up to watch the best fighter in the world fight. And for my money, that's Shevchenko.
3: I had kind of oh, had a feeling that one's coming. Shevchenko actually closed against Andrade as a minus. 555 favorite
1: really Just gone, no, wait, yeah what, it opened what, as what a world, minus 335 what world,
4: what world do we live in where you know you're a you're a minus 550 and that's like a close odd that, that, those yeah. odds are close for you in a title fight you know what I mean like that's insane that doesn't happen in, in like men's divisions you know maybe you know plus 150 minus 200 might be the biggest that you see I mean and like like I said, she's just leaps and bounds away from everyone else. No one's even close. But, I mean, somebody's got to be coming up that can compete with it all. I don't know.
3: Yeah, I'm just looking at, like, the pass line she's had. She is a bigger yeah. favorite in this fight than she was against Jessica Ai, Uh, but not as big of a favorite as she was against Jennifer Maya. She's a minus 2,500 favorite against Jennifer Maya, and there you go. So we'll see what happens there. I'm, I'm – yeah. I'm gonna say this. Right. I,
5: I, That's about right. <laughs> honestly.
3: I am not gonna come out here and say Lauren Murphy's gonna win on Saturday, but I've been saying for a while, and I said it on the show when this fight was made. Lauren has a style that can make things at least somewhat interesting, like sort of yeah. Rocky Apollo Creed esque, where Lauren can just take a ton of punishment and make it a dog fight and make it gritty and dirty. And she's very tough to put away. In fact, she's never been put away in a fight. And I understand that Shevchenko is on a much different level. So I do think this is going to be one of those fights where she, she's probably not going to win. But I think her stock, I think the respect for Murphy will rise with a gutsy showing. So that's what I think is going to happen. Obviously, I'm going to lead toward Shevchenko. But I think, I think Lauren's going to get in there and get gritty. And I think people are going to be like, you know, good effort. Good effort. We dig it. I don't
4: Honestly, this I don't
3: might be, be right. one of
5: the better on the card. Oh, What's that? This is heaters.
4: I think this could be <laughs> one of the better fights on the card. I think this fight, if it plays out the way I think it will, I think it could end up being like a really, really good fight where Lauren Murphy takes a beat and maybe gets, gets, uh, gets something off at the end. I don't know. I'm hoping
3: I'm hopeful. Man, I gotta I gotta think about this this point for round two now because you know we're talking about the stocks understand. there. We're gonna talk we're gonna talk know. about a different fighter stock and see where he goes after this past weekend. But let's award the point for round two, yeah. and it goes to... I gotta go with the driver of the Chevy truck. Jed Mishu has tied yep, things you. up. It is one to one. We earned it. We earned it.
5: I'm not excited about That's our good next rap. topic. Right?
3: I know this. The, this don't this don't is like this a Cody point written all over it. So, uh, my child has decided that he's not going to listen to me. So I'm not going to discipline him live on the air right now. But you best believe I'm both <laughs> be muting this microphone in a moment. But uh, so let's we talk about this past you, weekend.
5: But, like, it was
3: fun. <laughs> <laughs> i'm starting to boil right now but great win for anthony smith over ryan span we had some great performances coming out of ufc vegas 37 but i'll talk about bellator 266 and let's talk about the bellator debut of yoel romero first off and i've said this a million times and i know I'm, i am not on an island here the matchmaking was horrendous i think we can all agree on that phil davis is not the kind of opponent that will make yoel romero shine I gave Phil all three rounds rather easily. Jaron Valil, I don't know what friggin' fight he was watching, but here we are. Davis wins. Ramiro's now 0-1 in Bellator. Now what, Cody Stamen? What do we do with Yoel Romero right now?
4: I 100% agree. That, is, that should not have been his first fight in Bellator. I mean, when you think Yoel Romero, you want to see him fight someone who is absolutely terrified of him and doesn't know how to wrestle so that way he can just do all the crazy freak shit that he is able to do uh yeah that that fight for me uh was a killer because i'm a huge uh romero fan like i i love watching that guy and he's actually a super nice guy i've met him a few times he's very soft-spoken nice dude um i don't know i don't know i don't know what what he does what he does from here i mean i i i I think that you could definitely put him in another huge matchup against another top contender in Bellator, and that fight would still sell, and people would still want to see it, and I think he could still win. But, um, it, yeah, I mean that's just that's just poor matchmaking on, on Bellator's part. That should not have been the first fight, and um, they just it kind of takes a shit on his stock because you know Phil isn't a guy that we've necessarily heard a lot about lately.
3: Jed, like you mentioned, I, I know this is a tough topic for you. We we know how you view Joel Romero. You have said many times he's the best middleweight in the world, and who knows? He just fought. So in, in the rules of the MMA Fighting Global Rankings, he, maybe he still is. You could rank him number one at middleweight because this fight was at 205. So technically, maybe it, he still is the best middleweight in the world. But we all know Bellator could have booked this debut way better in pretty much everybody's eyes. But how do we how do we write this ship with the Soldier of God and get him moving forward after this loss to Phil Davis?
5: I think the easiest way to do it is to get Jaron Vallel to be the only judge for all of his fights moving forward. <laughs> I love you, Jaron Vallel. I have nothing but respect for that scorecard. That was the scorecard of my heart. Maybe not of my head, but it was certainly the scorecard of my heart. Uh, look, it's really easy. This is awful. We talked about it the other week. It's horrendous matchmaking. Um, but fortunately it's fine. One, Bellator is on Showtime and no one has or watches Showtime. So really nobody even knows that you all lost unless you went to MMAfighting.com to watch our coverage, Uh which you should have because you shouldn't have watched the rest of that card. Uh, but you know, it's fine. You just, and I think Scott is going to do it anyway. You just... Have him fight a Garden Musasi. Like I know Yoel's at two hundred five ish now. You just make him fight a middleweight. Give him a towel. Maybe he can DC his weight through the weight cut. It'll be fine. And you just you squeeze the juice for all you can get out of it. Most of his fights are going to be awful, or there's going to be one big cool thing, and you just hope that there are a number of those. But yeah, just put him in against Musasi. Like have have uh, JerVel. Be, be one of the judges, certainly. But you just put him in against Musashi and then, I don't know, Machida. You have him fight. He can rematch Machida or whatever. Just do anything with him. It doesn't matter. I'm going to tune in to watch. I'll watch the rest of the crap, but I'll absolutely watch Yoel stand aimlessly across the cage at somebody and then maybe do a cool thing. The one thing I will say, because I my mom raised me, when you're wrong, you just hand up, I was wrong. And I was wrong because this fight was bad, but it was way less bad than I thought it was going to be, man. I thought this was going to be terrible. But credit to Phil Davis. He didn't be the most boring fighter of all time, which he has been prone to do in his career. And he totally could have just kept leg kicking you all from halfway across the cage. But he didn't. He mixed it in. He got some takedowns. He he made it way more fun than that fight should have been on paper. So credit to Phil Davis i love you forever Yoel. you will always be my my top middleweight in the world because you beat israel adesanya and you beat bobby knuckles twice so you're the greatest middleweight um and yeah that's where i'm at
3: all right so i have to bring this up because casey's the producer and you can tell because you saw the comments going across the screen because if there's any man stock who rose more than anybody's this past weekend it is big tuna ben parish who kicked off the main card (laughs) <laughs> with a one of the biggest upsets in bellator history and we're all in agreement like just throw you all in there with big tuna and everybody wins so, like if big tuna wins great if you all wins like he'd be heavily favored to do so it'd be kind of a fight where you I'm know, not comfortable he gets having a, win.
5: Lose to a dude named big tuna that's i got i got too much love <laughs> in my heart for you all to lose to some guy named big tuna even though he was oh, great on your show, Mike, he was, Ben Parrish was fantastic on your show. Shameless plug. We got next. Go listen to it on the MMA Fighting Podcast Network. I'm so you good at my job.
3: <laughs> you can watch that interview as well. It's better in video form, I got to tell you. It's like, you want to get to know Big Tuna, you get to know all about Big Tuna. So uh, last thing on this, Jed, you you mentioned it, and, and Scott Coker did as well. He said, you know what? He lost tonight, but we can just throw him into a middleweight title fight. We got Musashi, and austin vanderford getting ready to fight i believe they're they're targeting that one for january from from all indications that has not been announced but that seems to be the direction this is heading what are the chances bellator just pulls the trigger on this Jed, and just throws him in against the winner of that fight because who else is there at 185 right now like who else like outside of vanderford like who else is really there right now because i don't see Musasi sticking around once that grand prix ends I can see Musasi if he beats Austin, jumping back up to 205 and trying to be a champ champ. Your thoughts on whether – the chances Bellator pulls the trigger on giving Romero a middleweight title fight for his next fight?
5: 95%. There's nobody else. Like, there's just nobody else. Coker's already said it. Like, as long as Joel says, yeah, I'm down, which I assume he would, like, why not get a title fight if you just can? So 95% at least. It might be where low, are you huh?
3: at? <laughs> are you where, where are you at, Cody? Are you above or below 95%
4: on this? I bet my house that's the next fight well in there.
5: <laughs> So I'm so above down. or below. I don't I don't know what kind of a gambler you are, Cody. Maybe you're just a real risky guy and you do that for twenty percent chance. I just
4: athlete. I don't really see I don't I don't see I don't see an, another option for, for Bellator. Like I don't I mean the 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 guy that uh Masasi's fighting, I've never even heard of him. So uh I mean I don't I guess I don't watch I don't watch Bellator. I don't like like you said, Jed, I don't even don't even know what the fuck showtime is or how to watch it. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no one watches Bellator. Watch the, she like not like ones, right? And that's about it.
3: Oh man. Poor Bellator. Sorry.
5: I like Cody. You Can know? we bring him back a lot? <laughs>
3: Talk about, Jen. You might have a new tag team partner. You might have to kick Nanda oh, to the. Uh... I feel great about. Oh, we're this. just gonna
4: talk shit about everything MMA. Huh? We could be here all day. <laughs> it's uh, the best. This
3: is the perfect platform for for Cody Stamen. So, really all is. right. So so that is the Bellator pers- portion of the program. We head to the final question of regulation. The point for round three goes to. Jed Mishu, it's two to one, two to one. I feel like Cody was at a, a little bit of a disadvantage there, but uh, it is what it is. He knew what happened with the YOL fight. It's just Bellator a long
5: history with the OL, so it's tough.
4: It is very yeah, really tough. I so. watched uh, I watched two 50 second clips on Instagram, so I pretty much saw the whole fight.
5: <laughs> yeah, actually, <I> covered you. <laughs> You could have just gone <laughs> to MMAFunny.com and they would have told you everything you needed to know about the fight. Well, do that next time.
4: Next time. Uh, next time I will Jed, do that. Jed, Jed just I'm a plugging man,
3: Mike. You sure are. You sure are, Jed. <laughs> but.
6: Support for this show comes from Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence and Loom help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Atlassian.
3: So we had some, I, I, I definitely want to discuss this because we had some big news this past week. First, we found out that former flyweight title challenger, Joseph Benavidez, uh, has retired from the sport. Uh, his wife, Megan Olivi, first posted it on Twitter. And good on him. What a career that man had. And then we found out not long after that, that the natural-born killer... Carlos Condit announced his retirement as well. And that just kind of set off a slew of retirements. Cause we found out Luke Sanders retired, then we found out Matt Bissett retired, and we got all of these retirements going on. But those are the two I really want to talk about. Jed, we will begin with you here. What was your reaction to not only Joseph Benavidez retiring, but then Carlos Condit, not far behind, announcing his retirement as well?
5: That was sad. Um, not because it's bad. It's like really great. I want to be clear. I wasn't sad about Joe Um I have a lot of respect for Joe B. I think he just, just is criminally underrated. I don't think he gets the credit he deserves because in a world where Demetrius Johnson didn't exist, Joe B would be the greatest flyweight champion in and, and the kind of GOAT conversation for what he was able to accomplish in his career. Uh, unfortunately, Mighty Mouse exists, and that's happened throughout history with some other people, and it's a tough spot to be in. But – I I was never like a big Joe B fan. I think the biggest time I was a fan was when he was fighting Dominic Cruz in WEC because I do not like Dominic Cruz. But other than that, I just had respect for his skills. He seems like a solid dude, like a stand-up guy and really good fighter. Uh, But I didn't have an emotional attachment to him. Carlos Condit is one of, if not my favorite fighter of all time. I think he's probably number two or three. Um, and for my money, and I have had this argument with many people on our site and elsewhere, his fight with Robbie Lawler is the best fight that has ever happened in the history of humanity. And I, there's, I've never been, I've never felt more things watching a fight than watching that one. And that came after I already had a pretty big emotional attachment to Carlos Condit's career. Like he is everything you want from a fighter. Um, he, he is incredible. I, I wrote about this on the site last week. I don't think his career gets put in context enough either because he, he fought at a time when like welterweight was filled with like top position wrestlers more so than it's ever been. And it was the division of those. So like the maximum apex of NCAA top, top position wrestlers and Carlos Connick can't defend a takedown from me. Like, and, and it didn't matter because he was just so freaking violent. Like, he he, re- he didn't respond to all of this by being, oh, I'm going to learn takedown events. He was just like, I'm just going to be way more violent than the rest of these dudes. And he won an interim championship off it and damn near unseated the actual GOAT. <laughs> like, Carlos Condit's a bad dude and an awesome dude. And I am sad that he will not be fighting anymore. I think it's a right decision for him. Um, but one of the low key things that I've enjoyed the past few years is I thought Carlos was done done a few years ago, and he managed to put together some good wins and fun <laughs> fights over the last couple years, and that was that was awesome. And uh, I I will remember his career fondly, and I he will be enshrined in the Hall of Fame soon, and he deserves it. Dude, dude is a hero.
3: Cody your thoughts on these two retirements I, I know you're you're very fond of lighter weight classes so I'm sure you probably look at Joe B's career more fondly than maybe Jed does but just you know different strokes mm-hmm. for different folks and then obviously Carlos Condit has has been doing the damn thing for a long time he's a guy that you know one, one of the first fighters when I was getting into the sport just flipping through the channel saw WEC and saw Carlos Condit getting introduced by Joe Martinez and I'm like that dude's about that life. Like you just look in his eyes, you could tell that dude is about that life. And immediately I, I was like hooked on, I wasn't, I, I was very intrigued by, by Carlos Condit. But once you found out that these two guys were, have made the decision to turn to the next chapter of their lives, what was your reaction and your thoughts on those two guys as fighters?
4: You know, I'm, I'm, I'm happy for both of them. Cause I mean, you got to know these guys from WEC and that was a long, long time ago. They've been at the pinnacle of the sport for a really long time. Uh, but I'm going to go the other way. I mean, Joe Benavides is a really good friend of mine. Um, he's someone who I've learned a lot from. Um, and just the fact that, you know, you know, I, I got to know him, like, when I moved out here towards the end of his career. But Joe is, like, one of those guys that just does everything right. He lives a very healthy lifestyle. He's a good person. You know what I mean? If, if someone came up to Joe that couldn't do anything for Joe, Joe would be nice to him just because that's who he is. And... You know, he's like it doesn't make sense that he fights because he's like such a genuinely nice person. And then he gets in the cage, and, and I've been in, in the room with him. I've gone on, gone to fights with him, and like he turns into like a different human. And he is just a violent, violent dude in the cage. And you know, he survived in at the very, very top, the pinnacle of, you know, an insanely tough weight class. And you know, like you said, if, if Mighty Mouse didn't exist, Joe Benavides is an eight time UFC champion. So, I mean, and, you know, fighting fighting uh, Mighty Mouse the first time, I honestly thought, you know, I thought Joe won that fight. Uh, you know, and then he it was like every single time somebody was going to make a title run or, you know, they started to have some success in the division, like they had to go through Joe and then Joe beat him and then Joe got another title shot. And he did that continuously, you know, throughout his career. And, uh, you know, he's just a, a great example of... of you know, what a a fighter should be in and outside the cage. So, uh, I'm super happy for Joe and, um, yeah, the guy's a fucking legend. I love him.
3: Well said. Well said. The capacity crowd has, has reacted. Um, I mean, Jed, you had a great answer, but you didn't get a standing ovation from the live studio audience.
5: I can't argue it.
3: So, with that being said, and the the resounding applause, we don't even need a drum roll here because we already know where this is going. Cody Stamen has tied things up. It is two to two. That's right. Play the Victor music. And that means we what's go the, to the knockout round. We go to the, the knockout, knockout round to break out. the tie. The knockout round, Cody Stamen. So what's going to happen here is I'm going to ask one question to each of these gentlemen. They have no idea what this question is. And they will each have sixty seconds to give their response. Once they give their response, with the help of the live studio audience commenting and watching the program alongside with us, we will turn it on over to the judge, the jury, the executive producer, E. Casey Lydon, who will render the final decision. There he is, right there, pointing at you, baddest dash in the game. So, Jed Michu, you don't get a, you don't get any money for all these title defenses, but you do get the champion's prerogative coming off of a win so i assume i know what you're doing with this but maybe you know where i'm going with this question and you want to jump out the gates and and and, and make a statement what do you want to do you want to go first or pass it on to cody
5: the problem is i have no idea where you're going because there's like a lot of shit that's happened this week <laughs> so this could be any number of topics so i'm gonna i'm gonna exercise my prerogative i'm gonna pass it over to uh my opponent who who's earned my respect
4: well, that's I good. I just hope I'm not the fighter that you're talking about.
3: <laughs> Don't worry, Cody. <laughs> we're gonna make we we, we are gonna ask uh, a very popular question on the show. And when we break down pay-per-views, there's always one question we asked, and I didn't ask it this time around, so we're gonna go ahead and ask it right now for the knockout round. So we like to talk about the big fights for these pay-per-views. UFC 266 coming up on Saturday. We talked about the three, five rounders, we talked about the title fights, talked about Nick Diaz versus Robbie Lawler, too. Of course, we got Curtis Blades versus Jairzinho Rosenstrike. We got Jessica Andrade versus Cynthia Calvillo. That is the main card. But we got a whole bunch of other fights after that and some very compelling fights that are not getting enough attention, that are not getting the love that maybe they they deserve. But they're just on a loaded card right now. So the question for you in one minute or less, Cody Stamen, what is the low-key banger at UFC 266, the under the radar fight that you got circled on your fight card, that not a lot of people are talking about, but should be. One minute on the clock, your time starts now.
4: So, I'm gonna go with it. Can, can I pick a main card fight that I yeah, think is gonna be everyone. a That I don't think anyone. I think Chef and Murphy are gonna have an absolute banger. I think that uh, Murphy is gonna be able to walk through all the initial shots early, and I think it's gonna be. Like someone said earlier, it's going to be like a rock, rocky Apollo Creed thing where she gets absolutely demolished for two and a half rounds and then starts finding success later in the fight. And it's one of those fights where um, I think a lot of people at the end are going to be rooting for the underdog. I don't think that she will win, but I think that this will honestly be one of the best matchups uh, Shevchenko's had. Um, to kind of show every single amount of skill. And I think that Lauren Murphy's stock will go up exponentially after this fight. And a lot a lot more people will know who she is and uh, look forward to her upcoming fights.
3: All right, with a few seconds to spare. I mean, listen, the question is low-key banger. And if we're talking about this card, we're talking about the three main fights. I mean, it doesn't get more low-key from people's positions and how they're viewing
4: the card <laughs> than, than this pretty fight. <laughs> I mean, in that freaking it's fight, a bat, most people very low key choice. Super
3: I don't mean, know; nobody is either.
5: talking about it though. So that's fair. I mean,
3: <laughs> by by definition, by definition, yeah. that is true. So it's on the post. Uh, Jed Mishu, no <laughs> Jed Michoud, We turn out over to the champ. You got a uh, a lot of options to choose from here. Uh, I'm I'm trying to take a look. <laughs> All right, I think I know where you're going, but maybe I'm wrong. One minute on the yeah. clock. Low key banger. UFC 266 this Saturday. Your time starts now.
5: Originally, when I thought this c- question was going to happen, I was going to go hooker our Hock-Barras, But with all the craziness that's going on there, that's no longer low-key. It's like the second biggest story of the week. And I know you think where I'm going, Shmuel Abderakamal versus Chris Dawkins, because the big beefy boys slapping meat against each other is always for a good time. But that's not it. Uros Medic versus Jalen Turner. I butchered both of those, and I'm sorry about it. I'm not a names guy, but I am a this fight guy. Because one lightweight best division in sports. Sorry, Casey, I know you'll vote against me just for saying that. But Eros Medic has two fights in the UFC and uh, has been—I'm sorry—one was contender series, but his UFC debut was a flying knee in the first round, which is awesome. And Jalen Turner has never been in a boring fight. Basically, they both just are going to come out throwing hands until one dude falls over, and it's the definition of a banger. Like this is going to be a really good. All offense fight, and nobody's talking about it. Easily my banger of the week.
3: All right. Uh some yeah, some good fights. Uh of course, Marias stavallish really oh, is interesting. Happened. Hooker Hack Barast, uh, Montefari Santos. That's a good one. A couple of debutants coming up. Uh Nick Maximoff taking on Cody Brundage, who's get making his UFC debut. Uh, that's a big deal. Good on Cody for getting the call. Uh, Matt Semmelsberger versus Martin Sano. Sano making his debut, and then Omar Morales versus Jonathan Pierce should be uh,
4: Cody? should be fireworks. Kids from Michigan, and he lost his contender yeah. series fight, and now he's in the UFC. It's amazing. Yeah, <laughs> what a turnaround
3: for grand. Absolutely, he was about to fight on the Contender Series Tuesday, so I think it uh, it worked out for him, he to just say, had to be in the right place at the right time.
5: Announced for this fight like yesterday. Yes. Like literally, didn't he sign on this fight like yesterday?
3: Yesterday. And here we are. Uh, so there we go. Casey, you have heard the arguments, my friend. But we're gonna uh, we're gonna let the peeps kind of get it roll in the comments and just let you know what's gonna be coming up, of course, here on MA Fighting. Uh, tomorrow, I know Alex K. Lee is probably sleeping right now because no one loves a good weigh-in more than Alex K. Lee. So the Weigh In show will have that ready. Jose, of course, is in Las Vegas right now uh on the red carpet for the ufc hall of fame ceremony so he's I, I believe he just talked to dustin poirier uh in some some other interviews so stay tuned on the youtube page for all of those plus we'll have your way in show tomorrow noon eastern time uh drama on the scales so we'll see what happens there always is drama at some point so we'll walk you through that will preview Nick Diaz show
5: up? will he will show Nick up
3: Diaz show up that's Great a question. big question that's a great question. Uh, well, preview show tomorrow. Being, I'm not really sure when that's going to happen, but that's coming. he can He can't leave. Yes. But maybe he just won't <laughs> leave his hotel room.
4: Yeah. So he's drama. just going to stay in the <laughs> hotel. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah. Noon Eastern tomorrow. Watch the drama unfold. Will Nick Diaz be at the weigh in. I think he will be. I think he'll probably be like the first friggin' person of the scale and just stop the drama right away. Uh preview show. And then Saturday, uh, we'll have your pre-fight show 30 minutes beforehand, uh answering all your questions. And then we'll have the press conference, we'll have post fight show, all sorts of coverage to get you through Saturday as well. So Casey, I think we've given you enough time to let the votes compile. Uh you heard the arguments, the low key bangers. Who wins? Who is the BTL champion on this return? Back to the video screen.
0: <laughs> we got some votes
4: in. Let me see.
2: Ooh.
3: All right. But, but before, before you give your, your, uh, your, your judgment, Jed, how are you feeling right now? Because you've been on a roll now that Casey has not been judging you even got a Sean Al Shadi vote, which is—I mean—it just shows right. what kind of
5: role you're on right now. I was plum surprised that I got the Sean vote. Yeah, I—I'm uh, happy to be back doing it live. It's way more fun doing it live. And Cody's actually been awesome. I had no idea how he's going to do, um, but he killed it, and so I've got a lot of respect for Cody now. Um,
4: well, thanks. I had I, no idea what I was going to do either. No, well, you did great. <laughs> uh, <laughs> had no idea.
5: I, I just hope that I still get to keep my title because it's the only title I get. And Cody's going to be fighting for real belts. And so, you know, I need this.
4: I hope All you right. win too. Well, uh, this is so great. I've
3: Casey, I don't this. even want to announce. Can we have a draw?
4: Oh, Go ahead. I've already, I've given out draws already, and not but not today. Not today. Today there's a winner. Ooh. And today... Hope dies. Jed loses, and new, Cody Stearns. Wow!
3: Cody Staman is the champion. He comes I'm, on. I'm sorry, Jet. He has no idea I'm what's
4: happening. I'm sorry. And he he sold me on the main. He sold me on that that, that yes. Murphy fight. He sold me. He sold me. I was like, I predicted Murphy get her butt kicked, but you know what? I'm now hyped for it. I, I just, I think it's going to be a good fight now. And Cody sold it. And. And Jed was way off. The best division in all of MMA is the men's bantamweight division. It's, everyone you. knows that. Thank everyone you. knows I that. Agree with that. Everyone knows that. So
3: congratulations, Jed gentlemen. had the wherewithal. He knew. He knew that was going to make the upset. I, him so I knew exactly never... what
0: was <laughs> going to happen when I said that. Yeah, right. When you,
4: when you have to apologize in your in your your answer already, so yeah, you lost cause. Congratulations, Mr. Statement.
3: Well, I think Jed's gonna be busy the next few weeks anyway, so I think him not being the champion will give uh some room for some, some some emerging contenders down the road. But we have a new champion, his name is Cody Stamen. Cody, unfortunately you don't get any money, you don't get a championship belt, but we do give you we do give you thirty seconds to talk about whatever it is you wanna talk about. Good, bad, indifferent, mm-hmm. MMA, non MMA, you wanna plug some stuff, the floor is yours.
4: Well, I am deeply honored to be the champion today. I gotta say that. I really knew this. Um, (laughs) uh, Thanks for having me, you guys. This was a lot of fun. Um, Yeah, if you ever need someone to absolutely rail everyone in MMA, I am your guy. I I live for it. So uh, I'll see you again. Yes, and
3: uh, I will be bugging uh, the legendary Ed Cap to try to get you back on next week to defend your newly won title. We'll see if schedules will align. Jed, of course, I mean, an incredible run. And uh, it, it has come to an end this time, but that's okay. Even even Ric Flair won world titles 16 different times, but he had to lose 15 along the way or 16 along the way, and he's still considered one of the greatest of all time. So how do you feel about the decision and what happened and what transpired today?
5: Not sure I'm stoked on the Ric Flair comparison, given current events, <laughs> but uh, we're going to breeze right past that and say oh, psh, I, have, bad. I have nothing but respect for Cody Stamon. Um, which I didn't know if I'd have respect for him. So well, well done, (laughs) sir. Uh, I do have a problem with you when you win the actual UFC belt, your post-fight speech needs to be a lot better than the one you just offered. (laughs) So we can work on that though. don't look, we, we can take some classes or workshops. We got time time to make some changes. Be a little sharper because if you're talking to Rogan and that's, that's what you offer up, that's not going to do it for anybody, man.
4: I 100 agree. That's the worst speech I've ever <laughs> <laughs> It was supposed to be though. Yeah. That's all right,
3: Jed. I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna strike the first name John Cena, also 16 time world champion. I think he's and the Star Trek. Star Trek. Yeah, you can't see yeah. me, all that stuff. So yes, I forgot Wait, all about that. I haven't watched Dark Side yet. I did hear about it, but yeah, bad uh, comparison. I don't
5: watch pro wrestling, but that has just been all over my Twitter feed, so I know. I was like, ah, oh, that's not the that's not the one to go with Mike
3: my apologies current events like a, I'm a classic really for letting
5: Casey back in the booth I was on a heater <laughs> until he judged now coincidence I don't know just saying
3: I'll, if you just mentioned Big Tuna in the, in the last <laughs> segment you probably would have won but it is what it is but thank you all it was, it's good to be back live do it in front of the camera uh, hopefully we could do this again we could do more so moving forward if not you still get us on the podcast network and the show hasn't gone anywhere, nor will it. So, in the meantime, enjoy the rest of fight week. Enjoy UFC 266. Props to Jose Youngs in Las Vegas doing the damn thing. For the new champion, Cody Stamen, Jed Michoud, I am Mike Heck. Thank you once again for watching. We'll see you back once again next week, Between the Links. Good night, everybody. This has been Between the Links. Wait, hold on, Cody. We're not done yet. Oh, no, Cody's gone. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, I'm Mr. Lin. Oh, no.
1: bet based on the amount of initial losing bet bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance see dkng.co slash bball for eligibility wagering and deposit restrictions terms and responsible gaming resources
2: support for this podcast came from SAS. data is everything and now everything is data which means more to process more to analyze